Hello, 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 and welcome back to the SLP Corner Podcast. I hope you all enjoyed my podcast last week with Dr. Marinova Todd. We discussed bilingualism and language development, and we just covered a lot of popular topics. So this week, we continued our discussion, and it's all on bilingualism and children with special needs. So we have some questions about autism and just kind of like a lot of questions that parents are often asking. So I hope you enjoy it, and please remember to rate and review the podcast, and I hope you enjoy. So moving towards kind of more bilingualism and children with special needs, if a child has autism and the parent's first language isn't English, which language should they speak to their child and why? So should parents speak a language that they aren't fully proficient in? What are your thoughts on this topic? Great question that I've been asked a lot and has been addressed in the literature as well uh, in research because it's an important one. Um, So I tend to start with a synthesized clear answer first, which is the parents should speak the language that they themselves are most comfortable, most proficient in. And why is that? Um, Two reasons. First is research has shown that we have enough evidence, even though about 10 years ago, when I first started doing research with children with autism that are bilingual, there was zero studies in in that area. So it was quite exciting to to turn the way. But now we have the evidence. So people are making assumptions based on just gut feelings rather than actual evidence. But now we do have the evidence to show that children with autism are capable of learning a second language or being bilingual. So they may not be highly proficient, they won't be better than monolingual children with autism, but they do have the capacity to function in two languages, the abilities that they are. So if they're at the 50-word stage or they're communicating with 50 words in their vocabulary in one language, they'll be communicating at about the same level in two languages. It's just basically the exposure to a second language is not detrimental to children with autism. So that's one important finding. And another one we also know that generally children with autism or any kind of speech and language delays and disorders, it's really essential to provide them with the highest language quality and the most exposure possible. So we want to expose them to intensive, as intensive and high quality language as possible so that they can aim or work toward achieving better outcomes in their own language. So keeping those two things in mind, of course, if a parent is trying to speak a language that they themselves are not very proficient or comfortable in, they're not going to provide this high quality intensive exposure. It's quite the opposite. So it will have already a negative effect potentially on the child's learning, language learning in any language. And I know this is a main concern um, for parents, especially immigrants, a recent immigrant family, let's say arrived from Vietnam, the parents will speak Vietnamese fluently their first language, They speak English, but not very well. They're just new in the country, uncomfortable. And then they have a child who's been exposed to mainly Vietnamese at home, and now he's four years old. There's been some odd behaviors that have been observed. He's been assessed and diagnosed with autism. And then typically the advice historically has been, well, your child can function in two languages. It will be too overwhelming, too confusing for him. So since you're now in Vancouver and English is the dominant language, Let's make sure your child is exposed to English only. So speak only English at home. So the parents go home and they start trying to speak English. Language, again, remember that it's not their strong language. They're not very comfortable. What research has shown, so qualitative studies that have been done now with um, various immigrant communities showing that 
parents actually tend to speak less to their child instead of more because in, in English because they're not comfortable in their language. Of course, the language that's addressed to the child is not, it's flawed and tends to have grammatical or pronunciation errors. So it's not, you know, it's even more limited. It is actually having the exact opposite effect than what we would expect. You know, the idea is again to give them high level intensive exposure and that's not what, what's happening in a home. So now knowing that language, uh, the children with autism are capable of functioning into languages, parents shouldn't be encouraged to do that, but the opposite. They should speak the language that they're most comfortable, most proficient in. If that's Vietnamese in the home, that's perfectly fine. At least we'll know that the child will have high quality exposure to that language. And then English, if that's necessary, they will be getting it through either therapy, daycare settings, school settings, special services. So it won't be something that will be particularly disadvantaged as well. Thank you for covering that topic because I do think that that's something, and it's so, it's fair for parents to be concerned about that, of course. Parents without children with special needs already have so many questions about language development, so um, I could totally see why parents with children with autism are, so, are concerned about this, so it's nice to hear from an expert like yourself on the topic. Another question is, if a child has special needs, should they still be learning another language if their siblings are, but the parent's L1 is English? So there's a lot of different examples for this maybe they're in um, a french immersion so the parents might be like their siblings are there should they go too and how do you navigate that so what are your thoughts on that um so this is flows right back into what we talked about earlier about french immersion um, in a typical developing context so of course it applies here as well um so having just what i said about immigrant families and those contexts is a, yes a completely sort of i would give a different advice to the second scenario where the parents themselves are not speakers of the second language. So basically, one is bilingualism by necessity, by circumstances, so usually families arriving in a different language environment, so you have to learn the new language because you have to be able to function in that new culture um, that you've moved in, versus elective bilingualism, where you choose to learn a language just because you're interested or you want to be enriched or you have the opportunity, but it's not necessary for your functioning in your new environment. So that would be the case of French immersion. So I see those two contexts as quite different in terms specifically for children with autism. So while in the first context, so immigrant families who are um, required by necessity to be at least bilingual, of course, again, it should be encouraged that children with ASD are also exposed to the two languages. Um, so the home language and the, and the societal language and that they'll have the ability to acquire as full proficiency as possible. When it comes to elective bilingualism, so French immersion programs, the case is a little bit different and it's exactly what I was talking about earlier. Now the child is older, is being exposed to this completely new language and all of a sudden the demands are much higher. So there's not just the language expectations, but also the academic performance. So either whether it's spelling or reading or writing or doing math problems. Um, and for a child who is already struggling, or even in the case with children with autism, they also have a lot of extracurricular activities that they have to be involved in, usually therapy sessions. And so their days are pretty packed full already. There's a lot going on. And I would be thinking carefully about, do we want to add yet another complicating or you know additional factor additional load to an already pretty loaded and you know child who already has a lot on their plate and so i'm not saying don't enroll children in french immersion program just about think about it more carefully and think about you know how much there's only 24 hours in the day how many other things the child is already engaged in and whether that would actually be something as important as some of those other activities 
Another thing to consider is also getting back to the critical period idea. I know some parents are really concerned about, oh, I don't want to be too late. So even though my child has autism, I'd like, I've heard about the, the beneficial effects of bilingualism on executive function. I'd like him to be exposed to two languages so they can have these benefits, but I also don't want to wait too long because then the critical period will end and they won't be able to, right? All of this combines in the parents' minds, which is fantastic. You know, those are enlightened um, parents who are interested and learning new things but again from what I said about the critical period is it's never too late so again it becomes a matter of don't worry about the age of exposure and so this is where I would suggest you know actually let not that be your main consideration focus more again on what are your priorities you know usually early on we want children with special needs autism or other language delays is to try and develop as much of a confidence in their abilities. And so usually that happens at least make sure they can have it in one language. So that, that would be the language that they have the most exposure in or you're the strongest in. So then eventually once they have built that more solid base and ideally in some cases, whether they can learn and read and write in that language would be really helpful. Then once they have that foundation, it will be easier for them to then well, again, transfer some of those skills to learning a new language and then have more, again, of confidence that I'm already competent, I'm able to function in one language. Now I can try and do that in a different language. And that usually happens later and it's okay to wait for later because of those other considerations that might be more important than just learning a foreign language. It's really interesting how you talked about the difference and how with elective bilingualism, it does end up just being kind of a family choice and it might change for every family. And like you've said throughout the podcast, it's never too late. So it could be one of those things when, when they're feeling ready, then it's, it's not like it's too late and they miss the boat. So I think that can provide a lot of comfort. That's exactly right. And also another thing to highlight is because part of your question was if the parents aren't fully proficient in the language, that's also a key word that we've been kind of mentioning over and over again. Again, yes, if the parents are not speaking French, so in the French immersion context, if they're not speaking French at all, they're not going to be able to provide any support to the child at home. And again, for typically developing children, that's already challenging. It's not an easy thing, but they can handle it. But children with special needs, usually that becomes much more essential. So again, it's, you know, it's important that the parent is able to be involved in the child's educational activities. So if they're done in a language that the parent doesn't speak or it's not proficient, that's not going to happen. So it's another important thing to think about. Okay, so my last question is just with regards to autism, are there differences in early language development between monolingual children with autism and bilingual children with autism? So pros, cons, just what are the differences we're seeing between those two groups? The important part again here to consider is, I think your question to clarify is comparing monolingual children with autism to bilingual children with autism, right? So in this comparisons, we're looking at the effect of bilingualism on the children's functioning. So both groups are having autism, it's just how this bilingualism affects their development. We've done research in that area, a study with, I conducted with Kauria Alkashi and Pat Miranda, another professor at UBC, um, where we looked at the early developmental milestones exactly of children with autism who are bilingually exposed or not, and we found that there were no differences. 
So um, whether you're bilingual or monolingual, they were going through the same milestones at the same, achieving the same rate of words, et cetera, in their communication in the first three years. So this was fairly, fairly young children. So based on that evidence, I could say that there's no difference, just like in the typically developed, what I was saying earlier at the beginning, just like in the typically developing context, there's no difference the same we're observing in, in autism as well. Of course, if we compare bilingual children with autism, to bilingual typically developing children. Now we're looking at the effect of autism on the population, just like in monolingual populations, there will be effect of autism, obviously. So yeah, there, there will be differences, but um, not, there's no negative effect of bilingualism. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast this week. You have provided so much information and it's just so nice to have an expert in this area to come on the podcast. I've wanted to do a podcast on bilingualism for so long and I've waited to have you on because I was like, I need to have, I need to hear from the expert herself all about bilingualism. I'm so excited. Everyone listening is so lucky to be able to hear from you and learn from you. So thank you so, so much for coming on. Thank you for having me, Sean. It was a great pleasure. Thank you. Okay, and I'll see everybody next Monday.